It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Well, the deadline came and went, and we still do not have a CBA in Major League Baseball. And I told you last week that if we didn't get it done by Monday, they didn't get it done by Monday, This the, the blame in this situation falls at the feet of Rob Manfred. I think Rob Manfred has been about as close to a dud of a commissioner about as uh, as you could get. And and Major League Baseball had the built-in ability to carry in some momentum into the season because in the middle of last season as COVID restrictions eased, people were able to get back to the ballpark people were able to get back to the ballpark because primarily baseball teams play outside and you could socially distance. You sell a portion of your tickets, you open up the concession stands and everybody's happy. It really, they had a built in excuse to carry momentum over into the season momentum that major league baseball hasn't had in years. It's been lapped by the NFL all those people tell you it's America's pastime is kidding themselves. It's not anymore. Maybe at one point it ain't anymore. The NFL is king. And where Major League Baseball has improved, like speed of play, trying to trying to, to move the game along because it can be very dull and boring. For people who aren't baseball fans. And instead of carrying that momentum over, they're gonna pick and and poke and try to 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 kill every bit of momentum they have with this CBA uh, uh, negotiations with the Players Association. Now, look, here's what's really at the heart of this: the Players Association wants an elevated level of the luxury tax. The luxury tax is a de facto cap. There is no salary cap in Major League Baseball. But if you hit the luxury tax, you got to pay, and it's a lot of money. So you see teams like the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, um, the L.A. Dodgers. They'll hover around that luxury tax number. Sometimes they go over it. If they're going to push all in like the Dodgers have in the, in recent, in the recent past, the Yankees are always uh, seem like they're paying a luxury tax. Um, those teams are pushing it all in. They're trying to acquire as many good players as they can. And generally, uh, salaries are elevated. And depending on how high above the, sal- the the luxury tax you go, the more you pay. So the players, the idea here is they want that tax raised. Because if you raise the tax, that means owners will be able to spend more money on their players. Whether that's bigger contracts or getting other players in the mix, they're going to be able to spend more money. And if you're a contender, the idea is you're going to spend more money. Now, if you're, 
you know, the, the, the Tampa Bay Rays, right. You're probably not hovering around the luxury tax. You know, who isn't also hovering around the luxury tax, the Detroit Tigers. They've been one of the, uh, at least in recent years, um, one of the, the lowest spending teams in major league baseball. So the players association wants to raise the cap so that more money is going to be able to be spent to the players. The other thing here is that revenues in major league baseball have gone up in recent years. So revenues are up. The players want to raise the luxury tax so more money can be spent on them, but the owners are saying, no, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. And it's one of the, the big sticking points in these negotiations so far. So here is the, the recent news that came out yesterday. Uh, owner Chris Illich was reportedly one of four major league baseball owners who opposed the league's offer to raise the luxury tax threshold by just a couple of million bucks during negotiations with the players. Um, and I'm, and I want to get you that number and I just kind of, I just lost it. Let me find it here. Um, the luxury tax threshold was $210 million in 2021. So that means if you, if you're, if you spent over $210 million, then you were going to be taxed on whatever you spent over that. So that can be pricey if you're going over that. Um, and the the number that they went up was really pretty minimal. Um, the owner sent a proposal to the players that was a $220 million luxury tax threshold. That's $10 million more uh, than it was in 2021. And that actually is even a $6 million increase than what the initial offer was. And that's still well off from what the players want. They want it even higher than that. And the owners aren't budging. That's become a huge sticking point. But $10 million more, $10 million for a team that, mind you, in 2021, spent $79 million on, on players on this roster, on salaries. $79 million. Meanwhile, player t- teams and organizations are spending upwards of $210 million around the league. But Chris Illich didn't want to extend that cap limit, that, that, that luxury tax limit. One of four owners. Now they only need 23 owners to pass it and eventually passed. But Chris Illich wasn't willing to go there. And, and, and uh, Blake, I'm not really sure why, because he's not even close to that. I don't know what the reason is, but there has been a knock on Chris Illich in direct comparison to his dad, Mike Illich, Mike Illich was willing to spend, 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 because it was winning a championship was really important to Mike Illich. Yeah. He never got it done as an owner of the, of the Tigers, but damn, if he didn't try, he tried, he really did. And they got close, but he tried. And, and the knock on Chris Illich has been, well, Chris is cheap. Chris doesn't want to spend the money. Winning isn't as important to Chris as it was to Mike. And look, that, I mean, Chris has never said any of that, right? But part of that narrative 
is kind of bolstered when you look at it and say, well, he was one of four owners that, that didn't want this to even be offered to the players. And now the players would, the players said no, because they want it even higher. But again, you're going from $10 million extending the luxury tax to $10 million for a team that's spending $79 million on, on salaries, 30 of which came from Miguel Cabrera. It's just, look, it's a bad look. You vote for it anyway because you're not even close. I, I don't. I'm not really sure why he voted against it. Yeah, it does not make any sense. Like you said, they're not even close to that threshold. Nope. So why, unless he's going to start spending more, which I mean that would be a good thing, obviously. But well, if he's going to start spending more, then the narrative of him being you know a cheap owner goes out the window. If he's going to start spending 210 million dollars. You're not a cheap owner. I mean, you're you're not cheap at all. Maybe that's why he didn't want it. He's like, I'm going to start spending in the next couple of years. It could be. That could very well be. Could very well be. But at the end of the day, I, I tend to side with players in this situation because l- let's break this down in a in a kind of systematic way. Let's say you're a good baseball player. You're not a you're not a an all star. You're not like Spencer Torkelson or, or Riley Green. You're not like a phenom. Um. You go to college, you, you you get drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round, sixth round. Uh, you go to single A, you work your way up from single A to double A to triple A. And then by the time you're ready to make the, uh, the leap into the bigs, you're 24, 25 years old. You're not getting a max deal. You're not getting a quarter of a billion dollars like Prince Fielder. You're not getting $30 million a year like Miguel Cabrera. You're going to get half a million bucks a year, three years. And you're 25 years old. You're not making any money in major league baseball. You've just been grinding in the minor leagues for it for half a decade. So the idea is that those are the guys that you look to spend more. You're a utility player. You're not an all-star gold glove shortstop. So th- this is where I think the players are coming from, where they're saying, look, it's really hard to make money in baseball. Like, make money as a professional athlete in baseball. And then by the time you're 28, 30, you know, 28, 29, you've made a couple million bucks, which is like, again, we're all, this is all in the scope of sports, athletics. Mm-hmm. Nobody, yeah. Would you take $2 million, Blake? I think I would too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I just, in, in the in the scheme of sports, This is where the players are coming from. I tend to side with players in contract negotiations most of the time. And in a, in, in a situation where major league baseball could have capitalized on the momentum that they had instead, they squandered it. The owners, Rob Manfred squandered it. And they feel like the only time, the the only, the only way that they're really worried is if they start getting more towards the half point of the season and they don't have a deal. Well, then the owners are going to be worried because then they'll start losing money up until then. It's all gravy for the owners. We'll take a quick break. Come back for more on sports. Rapple talk, Michigan, Michigan state. What is wrong with these basketball teams in the, in the state of Michigan? We'll talk about it next. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. I told you last week, I, I thought Michigan State was in the tournament. I still do. I, I, 
I just don't see how they don't get in at this point. I think they're a lock. Michigan, on the other hand, is in a different situation. And we'll talk about the Spartans in a moment. You know, I, I think that after that win against Michigan at Chrysler the other night, I, I thought it was an important win for Michigan. It was an important win because you know, they got shellacked uh, at the Breslin Center uh, earlier this season. And I think the idea on beating your rival beating them the way that you did was important and, and kind of getting some of that swagger back. Like Terrence Williams was making threes. Uh, Houston was making threes. Dickinson was, was just doing anything he wanted at will. And so from that aspect, it was needed. It was necessary. They were kind of, they were, they were, they were, I don't know. They, they just felt like they were exercising some demons after a really lousy year by their standards, especially with the, with the expectations that they had entering the season. So it felt that it felt, it felt like that was that, that was something that they needed to do to kind of clear the psyche. But then you can't follow that up with the type of performance that they had against Iowa, they looked uninterested. They, they had no juice. And I mean, heaven forbid, could you guard somebody because Bohannon is still hitting threes from the, from the, the, the M at center court. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what the, the game plan was, but whatever it was, it was no good. And so it just, it, it feels like, again, in this last five stretch, uh, the, the last five game stretch, they need to win three. I think if they win three, they're in. Well, they got to win against Rutgers. They got to win against Michigan State. It would have really went a long way to beat Iowa. But now you've got a game tomorrow against Ohio State. And look, did you see what Ohio State did to Michigan State? I mean, that was a, uh, you know, I, Blake, I came to that game a little late, mm-hmm. just a couple of minutes late. I turned it on. It was 13 to nothing. Yeah. I was like, this is going to get bad. Like this could be, this could be over at the 10 minute mark of the first half. And, you know, you credit Michigan state, they, they bounced back, but, but that Ohio state team is legit. Like they're, they, they, they've had their ups and downs this season as well, but they've got a ton of talent on that team. Coming off a horrible loss to Nebraska, too. Correct. So it just feels like, you know, I suppose it's sort of apropos that, you know, Michigan season in football came down to Ohio State, and and now it's it looks like what's going to happen here in basketball, too. We'll, we'll see if this team can, can, can find that next level that they did against Michigan State. I, I just don't know if it really exists in them. You know, I I think that they're going to have a tough time. It's a tough place to play. Um, it reminds me a lot of, of Camden because it's it's like you're they're right on top of you. It's very loud. Um, so I you know I don't know. It just feels it doesn't feel it doesn't feel great. But that game's tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Um, in the meantime, 
Uh, we've got a, a, a 430 tip for Michigan State tomorrow as well. You'll hear it right here on WJR. Um, as a matter of fact, we won't be on tomorrow because of, of the Spartan broadcast. Um, you know, Tom Izzo, he's been doing this for a while, and if you knew that. Uh, but but this guy, because of how long he's been coaching this game, because of how long and, and how successful he's he has been in the sport, I think Tom Izzo has... I, I don't know. I call it a bag of tricks, but I just feel like he's got so many different ways to motivate, to coach, um, that I feel like he could, he's got, I don't know. I just, he's got a variety of ways that he can reach his players. And what we saw against Ohio state and the, and the utter dismantling of that team early on. And then the, the team fought a little bit, it was just you, you can't get yourself in a hole like it that like that that early um and expect to win a lot of basketball games and they didn't and and I've never seen Tom Izzo um you know sitting in a chair uh hands clenched together ha- head in his hands um looking like so he looked so frustrated that he just there was no emotion like he he was like there's nothing I can do anymore and I don't know that, but just from a from an outsider's perspective, the, the 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 optics of it, it looked like he was just like, I don't know, man, I don't know what you want me to do anymore. Like I, I don't know. And 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 to be fair, I think he's he's gone through the motions, right? Like a few weeks ago, and I can't remember who they lost to. But he didn't make any of the players available for post-game press conference. First time Izzo's ever done that. Nobody talked. Like, he was besides himself. So nobody spoke. And then, you know, after the Michigan game, and Hunter Dickinson is running a fool over him, looking at the bench, mocking him, talking, John, nobody steps up. Nobody does anything. So Izzo came out and said, yeah, I... I you know, our, our upperclassmen on this team, we have no leadership, none, zero. And he's called them out publicly. You know, he's called players out by name publicly for either showing no leadership, no toughness, turning the ball over, you know, aren't scoring, aren't playing defense. He's done all that. So I think that that game against Ohio State was the culmination of a lot of frustration. And, and, and again, it felt like, like for me, it just seemed like Izzo was like, I, I don't know. I got nothing left. To, I got nothing left on this. Is that fair? Like I, I Tom is a way is a, is an incredible basketball coach. He's a good man, but it almost just felt like, you know, it felt like, like a parent who hasn't slept in four days because the kids are just they're always up or they're sick or whatever. And you're just like, I don't on day four. You're like, I don't even know. I'm so tired. I don't even care. Like, I feel like that's where it is. Are you He's just, like, I don't, are you I don't just know talking about do. yourself right now. It, it, I, it's a, it's a, it's a feeling that I can relate to. <laughs> you're not mad. You're di- He's not mad. He's disappointed. Disappointed. Of course he's yeah. disappointed. I, I think he's disappointed. I think he's disappointed that, things didn't go as well as they were in the middle of the season. 
Like that team, th- this team now that that has lost seven and nine, is in a completely different spot than that than they were in the middle of the season. Heck, in J- in January they were considered a a, a, a two seed in the tournament. Like now it's like, oh, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? And, and they're gonna. But that's how far they've fallen in the span of you know a couple of weeks. They peaked too soon. They peaked a I little just, early. I just, it just, you know, I feel bad for Tom, but at the same time, like, you know, these are his guys. These are the guys that he brought into the program and, and, you know, maybe they just feel like that they didn't pan out the way they thought they would, or or they thought some of these guys were leaders. It's very hard to learn to be a leader. Like you either are a leader or you're not. And maybe they thought some of these guys were, were going to be that. And they, they haven't panned out. So I don't really blame Tom in that sense, but these are his guys, you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. And you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep on top of that stuff. It's very disappointing that we're not going to have like the last few marches in the state of Michigan mm, have been awesome. And it just seems like we're not going to get that this year. No. and, And if Michigan makes it at this point, it's a miracle. Like, like if they don't beat Ohio state, tomorrow then you're probably looking at a situation where you got to make a run in the big 10 tournament and like there's no way like there's no way i mean juan howard will be back so maybe that'll add some sort of juice to the team but i don't know i don't know it's a very strange dynamic with these two teams now um because these are very uncharacteristic of these teams whether it was with john beeline or even last year uh with juan howard so you know it just feels like they're at a loss. It feels like they're at a loss. And specifically the Spartans and Tom Izzo. I don't, I don't know that he's got, I don't think he has the answers, but they're in and, and it's really hard to discount Tom Izzo's impact on a team going into March. But for hey, whatever reason, they, they just, they've got a different gear in that program. So we'll see if they can, if they can, if they can shift into that in the next couple of weeks. Real quick. Would you be surprised though, if they went on a run at all? Because no. it's Tom Izzo? No. 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 And as much as I feel like Tom is, has, has gone through his bag of tricks, maybe not. Like, he's seen pretty much every scenario play out as a coach that you can have. Um, And so, no, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be a little surprised. I, I, I guess I would be a little surprised. Because, you know, some of the deficiencies that they have, I don't know that can just be fixed in a couple practices. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got players. I mean, it's not like they're, I mean, it's not like they're, you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, you know, Minnesota or something. They're not Nebraska. Like they've got players. So they just got to kind of relax and, and let all this fall by the wayside. And, and they got to, they just got to figure it out and they got to figure it out quick. But no, would I really be surprised if they made a run? No, if, if they, if they, at this point, I think if you make it to the second game, like if you make it to the round of 32, that's probably a win based on what we've seen so far. And for Michigan, getting there is going to be a win. Anything after that is house money. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break, come back on the other side. I want to talk about the NFL Combine and apparently hand size. We'll do that next on Sports Rep. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Rap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today 
FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, you know we're big fans of, of football on this show. College football for sure. And, and look, the NFL's king. Um, and, and a part of, I think, the allure of football, especially from, from a fan perspective, is, you know, watching where the, the, the guys fall, you know, on a, whatever team you, you root for. Um, and so th- that's kind of the bridge into, you know, college to the NFL. And um, th- there has been something that has bothered me for a lot of years. And, and it, it centers around the NFL combine. It doesn't center around the NFL combine. It is the NFL combine. Like the NFL is king. They've added an extra game. You've got 17, 18 weeks of NFL regular season football. Then you've got a whole postseason. And then you've got a Super Bowl. Like, the Super Bowl was what mid February, early February, and like well, now we're in to the NFL Combine, and, and this, I guess, this is this speaks to the genius of the NFL and and what Rod Roger Goodell has done in turn every aspect of the NFL into must see TV. But I'm sorry, as a as a as big of a sports fan as I am, and as big of a football fan as I am, why are people watching the NFL Combine? Why are we watching the NFL Combine? Blake, look, you're a big football guy. Yeah. If somebody runs a four-cone drill, what what does that tell you about them? They're good at running a four-cone drill. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's all I and got. <laughs> and, 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 and when, um, you know, they're doing bench presses, what, what does that tell you? He's strong and can bench a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you don't have an eye of an NFL scout, do you? Well, nope. you play one maybe on the radio. Yeah, sometimes. But, but we are ill-equipped for something like this. And it's funny when Rich Eisen runs the 40-yard dash and blah, blah, blah. Look, here's what I know. Is that you look at somebody like Kevin Durant. Remember Kevin Durant coming out of Texas? He couldn't lift a five-pound dumbbell over his head. They talk about him as one of the greatest NFL NBA players in history. Like the dude was a twig coming out of Austin. And yet he became a dominant player. Now, am I saying that every NFL player going through the combine who who maybe doesn't show well is going to be a, a you know a Hall of Famer? Nope. But it it points to the fact that these types of uh, evaluations for the public mean nothing, but it sure is fun when Hassan Haskins, uh, you know, is is catching passes in the flat from you know Malik Wills or whatever. Like, like I, I don't understand the draw of the NFL Combine, and I certainly don't understand the 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 big deal that has been made about hand size hand size. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but Kenny Pickett has some pretty tiny hands, according to NFL standards. Bust. I mean, look, I, 
What does he have, uh, Blake? Eight and a half inch hands? Eight and a half inch hands, yep. If you stretch out your hands from the tip of your thumb to the tip of your pinky. So spread your fingers real wide and uh, almost make a line from the tip of your thumb all the way down to the tip of your pinky. And whatever that, that's the measurement that they take. And and look, is this this is not a, a very good quarterback class. It's not. But, but it's almost like, you know, when Schefter tweeted that out, it was like, <gasps> what? He has little eight and a half inch hands. Like it was like stunning. Like it was like, like, you know, it's the equivalent of NFL cooties. Like nobody's going to want him now. He'll never recover from this. He'll never recover from this financially. Like I just, I just don't understand why this is a big deal. I get it. Like I like sure in practicality, the bigger your hands, uh, the tighter grip around the football you'll have. Wonderful. But you know, what's interesting. I look at some of these numbers Um, comparatively, those who have smaller hands in like the NFL standards, like Teddy Bridgewater, his hands measured nine and a quarter inches. His fumble rate was less than 6%. Now, conversely, Jared Goff, who say what you will, um, has nine inch hands and his fumble rate was 15%. And, I, and then you've got somebody like Carson Wentz, who has a 10 inch finger span on his hand and his fumble rate was 13, uh, uh, just under 13 and a half percent. So what does that tell you? Can you be a productive NFL quarterback with eight and a half inch hands? Kind of seems like it. So what are we doing? What? Why are we making a big deal out of hands? Blake, can you make any sense of this to me? Because aside from it being um, another thing for the NFL to showcase, I don't know what we're doing watching the NFL Combine. I think it's something for people like you and I that get it. It's it's kind of funny. Like, we're talking about a guy's hand size and whether or not he's going to make it or not because of his hand size. It's it's funny, but these there's these NFL guys that take it very, very serious, and they're like, oh, he's undraftable now for my team. Right. Because sure. he has eight and a half inch hands. Yes, and and the funny part is, is I think I guy would guarantee you that there are uh, front office staffs, coaching staffs that are going, uh, uh-uh, uh, can't do it now. Nope, Mm-mm. nope, 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 nope. We're not taking him. I don't care. I don't care how good he is. I don't care what his completion percentage is. I don't care how accurate he is. I don't care how many touchdowns to interceptions he's thrown. I don't care how many times he's fumbled the football. We're not taking him. Move him We're off not taking of the him. draft board. Yep. He's gone. He'll go. He'll be an undrafted free agent by the end of all of this. Like that's, I just don't believe that's the case, especially in a time when remember it used to be like, you needed to be a seven foot to, you know, like six, two, six, three, six, four, two twenty. Like you needed to be the, the tall prototypical pocket passer. That's not the case anymore. Now you starting to see smaller guys being able to compete at just as high of a level. Kyler Murray. So, 
Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Uh, they both have big hands, though. They do have big hands. It's true. So maybe there's something to it. <laughs> I don't know. Mitch Trubisky had a nine and a half inch uh, finger span, and he stinks. So do you think uh, Joe Burrow's good at football? Do I think Joe Burrow is good at football? I think Joe Burrow has a has a nice future in football. Yeah, I think he's he's got it down. Okay, so he had a nine inch hand measurement, mm. and after the combine in 2020, he tweeted out, "Considering retirement, after I was informed the football will be slipping out of my tiny hands, please keep me in your thoughts." How does he do it? How does he do it? How does he how does he hold the football? I don't know. Man, if he could only prove that he could play football, it'd be really interesting to see. <laughs> um, stop. I look. I the, the NFL Combine is. You know, you want to watch the Senior Bowl? I get it. Like, you want to watch one of these one of these games that j- displays you know talent on the football field? I'm all for it. The NFL Combine? You got nothing better to do than watch the NFL Combine? I don't know. There's obviously a market for it. It ain't for me. And I, I gotta be honest. I don't really care much about hand size because if the hand size was too small, put a glove on, <laughs> everything will be fine. Teddy Bridgewater, you, who you just said, he had what nine and a quarter, nine, or nine a quarter. and a half. He wears gloves. Teddy two sure gloves. Does. Yep. Wears sure the does. sweet white gloves. Tom Brady wears a glove. True. If a glove's good for Tom, it's good for you. More in sports rap next, right here on WJR. <clears throat> Now back to more sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. Um, so we are uh, nearing, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Coach K's last game. It's tonight. Um, I was reading a story in ESPN, um, a couple of stories that, that have caught my eye. One being that there are students camping outside um, the uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium four days uh, before his last game. Like, people are out there now. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And look, I, this is not, I'm not knocking Coach K on his, on his, the, on what he's done on paper. All right. The dude is a great basketball coach, great basketball coach. And, and, and went on to coach Team USA in the Olympics. He's about as decorated as a coach as you can have in college basketball. I'm a little surprised that he never went on to coach in the NBA. But look, he found a home at Duke, and that was it. Done. And so I'm. I'm. This is nothing personal about him, and and truthfully, this isn't really anything to do with 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 Coach K. I I don't know that there is has ever been a coach or ever will be a coach that I would go and and camp outside for to see before his last game. Would you would you go see a game based on a coach there Blake? No. Stadium I'd I'd pick a stadium over a coach. 
Stadium is a different story. Like stadiums have souls. Like stadiums have like personalities. Yes. Like for me, again, as a Red Wing fan, I loved the Joe. I loved it. I loved how grimy it was. I loved how gray it was. I loved how it had that smell. Um, I loved those matty uh, red like uh, tarps that blocked off the concourse <laughs> to the seats. Yeah. It was my hockey rink. Like that's where the Red Wings played. Like, and that's where the people would bring in, you know, the octopus and throw it on the ice. It's that place was a dump, but it was my dump. And there was a lot of history made there. And I saw a lot of really awesome games and things happen there. So absolutely. Venues are a different story, but a, a coach, I've never felt that way about a coach ever, 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 because a, a stadium you can experience. Mm-hmm. A stadium you can feel you can feel things. You can you can go to a, a playoff game and, and watch a, a win. And the next time you're there next season, you can look back and go, like, I was sitting over there. That's where I was, and I had a great view of the goal, whatever. Like I've ne- never ever have I even contemplated going to see a game because of a coach. Um, in the meantime, ticket prices are through the roof. Through the roof. Um, it's his last home game. It's against North Carolina. Like all of those things are, I understand. Can you, you want to take guess how much tickets are going for now on the, on the secondary market there, Blake? 1600. No more. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if it's above 2,500, uh, I'm walking out right now. I'm done. All right. Put your shoes on. Lace them up. Get out of here. Oh, my God. How about this? On Vivid Seats right now, right now, the cheapest seats are going for $3,450. Some of the best seats in the house are going for $50,000. What? Look, I, I don't understand. Now, in defense he's, of that, he's, he's one of the best. He's got an incredible resume, and he's never shot a basketball for Duke. Like I, I don't, I don't understand this. That arena does only hold like it's, it's like just like over nine thousand people there. Yeah. yeah, it's very small, but still. Yeah, I look. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what's going. This is this is like this is like Bukuville. I, I just. I've never heard of, seen anything like this before. And ESPN is rolling out the red carpet for this. Rolling out the red carpet. And and you brought something up that I hadn't even seen about the Big Ten tournament. Or not, excuse me, the Big Ten tournament. The NCAA tournament. That's where my mind's at. The <laughs> NCAA tournament. Uh, and and um, they've actually petitioned and filed for a, a specific region. Right? Yeah, they want to play in the Midwest region because uh, the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 are going to be held in Chicago for the Midwest. That's where that is from. where Coach K is from. So he wants to, assuming that they get there, he's already planning on going there, and he wants right. his the end of his season before the Final Four to be in his hometown. 
it makes you know it makes um it makes exits from sports that that have very little fanfare I, I appreciate much more like if Tom Brady really stays retired um and he had no desire to have like this farewell season I appreciate that so much more like you come in you dominate and you leave like I just think that is that's the way to do it like that's the way to go but to come in as a coach and win a lot of basketball games and be a mainstay and be a cornerstone of university and then like also have this farewell season as a coach like Roy Williams North Carolina last right. year he did it right yep he said i'm done i'm out we're See good i don't think izzo would ever do this no i don't think so either izzo I don't think also so might just coach forever but it's true <laughs> it's very true uh that's gonna do it for sports wrap uh tonight we'll be back with you next weekend because uh we won't be on tomorrow because of the michigan state game uh you'll hear that right here on wj have yourself a wonderful night we'll talk to you next week